0: Everybody, and uh, welcome back to another Hooked On Hitchcock. I'm your host, Jonathan Moody, and I've got my co host,
1: G. Larry Butler. Yes. Hello.
0: Yay. G. Larry Butler is back again. Uh, this is our 20th episode.
2: Oh my God. It's amazing. I'm
0: yeah, we've done 20 films by Hitchcock. And of course, I chose the 20th episode to be. Vertigo, which is up there as like a lot of people's favorite Hitchcock film and sometimes people's favorite film of all time. Well, um
2: It made me dizzy just to watch it.
0: Did did it? Did you get Vertigo?
2: I fell out of my chair a couple of times.
0: <laughs> For real? No. Oh, that would be great. It was surprising. That would, me- have, that would yeah. have been a great reaction video. You well, know. Uh,
2: it had some twists and turns. I must say that
0: it did, um, especially at the end. You know, we find out the biggest twist. You know, yeah. um, which for a while I was like, "Cause, well, we'll we'll, we'll, get, we'll get into some things." I don't want to I don't want to say anything yet because we got to talk about the beginning of the movie and the sort of a little bit of the background of the film. Um, so Hitchcock had this idea sort of gestating for a while i think it was like four years um he was working on this project and uh i think he bought the rights to this uh book that's not the same story exactly but it's similar enough you know yeah
2: 1954 yeah French book uh let's see what was the name of it now it was uh Something about um, it was uh, translated from "Among the Dead." Oh, "Dentre Dentre les Mort, which means literally "Among the Dead." And in English, it's uh, called "The Living and the Dead" when they tra- when they translated the book. But anyway, so he bought the rights to it. And-
0: well, and it's it's interesting because like this is one of one of the few movies of Hitchcock that kind of gives you like this supernatural vibe in the beginning, you know. Like it tries to make you think that maybe she is actually possessed by the spirit of the grandmother, or I think it was grandmother. Um yeah. so she is, you know, so she's possibly actually possessed, but really you find out more information. We'll get into that. Um so the it had like a couple writers came in to work on it. You know, originally uh Alfred and his wife Alma were the ones like writing the story, you know, for coming up with a story of what they wanted um, it to be about. And then they brought in one writer and he wasn't necessarily the one they wanted. So they brought in another writer. And and finally they got the writer that, you know, kind of wrote the majority of the, of the script. And it was, I mean, it's a, it's a great story. You know, it's a great film. Um, It's not my favorite. I will I will say that straight up it it's it, it's up there in the top like five or whatever of mine but it's not it's not my favorite of his um and in fact for a long time I I couldn't really watch it I got bored you know it's um, I feel like it's a little bit too long of a movie what did you think
2: uh, I didn't feel that uh, but you know I don't think it's my favorite either but it's right up did, but this one I didn't feel like it was overly long. The other, one, Some of those other ones absolutely, um, but like the last one we did. But <laughs>
0: this one, I, I really was... Under med- Capricorn? It was just a little...
2: 15 minutes too long. Mm-hmm. This one I was uh, glued to it. In fact, I watched it twice. I watched it once with my wife even and she really liked it. So... <laughs> She's not easily pleased with certain movies, but this one she liked a lot. So that's a kind of a proof positive. It's a, it's a winner. But um, yeah, I, I from the word go, I was, you know, from the opening montage, you know, with the eyes and the swirls and all of that, I, I was hooked.
0: <laughs> I'm also not a very big Jimmy Stewart fan. Like um, if I were... If I had to be team Jimmy or team Carrie, I'd always go with Carrie Grant. You know, Um, uh, he's—I don't know. To me, uh, Carrie usually has a little bit more of a charismatic um, James Bond sort of um,
2: suave debonair,
0: suave debonair, and then suave—not suave, (laughs) suave debonair—and you know, kind of character. And and Jimmy's sort of like. And, and this was perfect for, for him. He, he's supposed to play like an every man, you know, like you could see Jimmy as well as you could see yourself getting kind of lost in this stuff.
2: He's kind of a goof, you know, when he did like the, the invisible rabbit Harvey, stuff like that, you know, and I used to imitate him and his stutter. And, oh, da, da. and uh, so this one, I, I, it was a little more serious serious version of himself maybe it's like the real Jimmy Stewart so this is more like James Stewart than Jimmy. James
0: Stewart yes you yeah. know well, well, um, but yeah he uh, well I mean I don't know I, I do like some movies he's you know he, he's in but this wasn't I mean this was probably my favorite role of his honestly Um, I think it was it was made for him basically you know um I, I like I don't think Cary Grant could have done this, you know. It would have been a different, completely different character, you know, in my opinion.
2: Yeah. Possibly, yeah. Um, I wonder if Hitchcock and Stewart got along. He didn't usually get along too well with anybody, but but uh I think just- he got
0: along with Jimmy because he's worked with Jimmy and Cary a couple times. So those actors I feel like he got along really well with you know those guys kept wanting to work with him but but maybe i mean they just wanted to work with him who knows you know continually
2: so anyway um now what is the tagline of this Well, how would you come up this movie
0: oh the law like the log line um yeah sorry i i would say uh Man is in you know a a former investigator is yeah. uh is asked to investigate uh a man's wife and finds some inter you know some more disturbing you know facts about them. I don't know. Like it's it's hard to like come up with like a like yeah. concise easy. Let, let's see what the. Well,
2: I've the got- let me read it for you. A San Francisco retired police detective with a fear of heights is obsessed with an emotionally disturbed, beautiful woman he's hired to trail. And that's pretty much it. But it's just one sentence. Usually when you pitch a project, you have a, what they call a log line. For those of you that does, doesn't know that. But um, anyway, so that kind of sums it up. and It, it leaves a lot out because it, it leaves a lot uh, about how... Um, he's been tricked and all mm-hmm.
0: of that. well a lot of that is in the yeah. is, is is plot twists and stuff that they don't want to spoil um Spoiling. another logline from IMDb says a former san francisco police detective juggles wrestling with his personal demons and becoming obsessed with a hauntingly beautiful woman he's been hired to trail who may be deeply disturbed right and that kind of gives you sort of a little bit more information, but not doesn't tell you what happens because you kind of don't want to know that, but there are like ones that give you more information. He was, he had demons
2: of his own and she had of her own. And some of them were not real. Some of them were <clears throat> acted.
1: Yeah.
2: So anyway, it's kind of interesting. That you both that demons, um, He was she was allegedly possessed by a demon, but we'll get into that later on. But
0: uh... supposedly, so like the beginning, you get the dream sequence, and actually, before then, before, before you even open into anything, you see the amazing, amazing computer graphics that we get in the beginning of the movie, uh, the opening credits and stuff. And that was done really, really well. Um, I forgot who did those graphics, um, the visual effects, basically. Um, Not sure. Uh, oh, that one. Let's see. The title sequences were done by. Uh, well, it says John Whitney Sr. was the motion control designer. Um. Let's see. Do they have special effects or anything? Uh, Huh. I'm not sure. Um, Robert Burks did the cinematography. George Tomasini did the editing. He had also edited North by Northwest, which we'll do later. Marnie, The Time Machine, Seven Faces of Dr. Lau, um, the birds, you know, tons of different lots of he's edited a lots of uh Hitchcock movies.
2: yeah, I like some of the people that were involved in it, like the the costume designer Edith Head. She's one of the most famous of all costume designers in Hollywood.
0: uh General Larry, I can't see you. You oh, went all right. <laughs> what happened? I don't know it just fell I guess kind of oh. keeps going down on me I don't know why
2: but Edith Head was a costume designer very famous in Hollywood so I was surprised to see her on this I didn't know she ever worked with Hitchcock before but I think maybe.
0: she's she she might have done a couple things with him and then
2: um, let's see who else uh, the the music was fantastic
0: well the costume by the way real quick the costumes were like the 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 wardrobe was amazing. So her her clothes and that well we'll get to that, but that's that scene with him picking the clothes for her. <laughs> oh, I know. Yes. Yeah, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that later. Um was Bernard Herman. I guess he's
2: worked with him before. Very intense, eerie music.
0: Well, he I, didn't do the composing for Vertigo. That's what it said. Oh. It what did I look up? I saw something different.
1: Bernard
2: Herman, it says. Uh...
0: Yeah, Bernard Herman did the, uh, uh, did the composing. And he's, yeah, he's got a lot of those. Like, he did, uh, Psycho, I believe. Ah. If I'm correct. Yeah, he did Psycho. He did Taxi Driver. He's worked with Bride De Palma, you know, um, on some stuff. And, uh, he's, he's just an amazing, uh, composer
2: yeah he was the elf man of his day i guess
0: yeah um right now danny elfman is probably one of the most him and like john williams are probably the biggest people still alive that do scores yeah definitely
2: so he's passed the torch to them so um and i was really impressed with some of the cast you know uh like Kim Novak was great, of course, as Madeline and Judy. And Barbara Geddes was Mitch, his ex girlfriend. She was really, really.
0: Well, we'll go into her, but I do want to mention Kim Novak was not his first choice. Who was? Uh, it was um, a girl, girl from, uh, uh, what is it, uh, in Psycho, but not, um, not Janet Lee, um, Vera Miles. Vera Miles actually even tested with the clothes and all of this stuff. Huh. But then something happened with Hitchcock and he wasn't able to make it at the time that they were supposed to originally. And then after that, um, uh, when they went to finally go do it again, Vera Miles was pregnant and couldn't do it. Wow! So he was really upset. Uh, but I think he still had a contract with her and that's why he used her in Psycho huh oh, but yeah. uh he wanted originally wanted her and she would have she would have been good i mean i think Ken novak did a fantastic job oh yeah and yeah you're right uh midge was uh which i had never i had never heard of um the actress who played midge wow.
2: you look on her imdb page it has an older picture of her but i'm familiar with her as she was older
0: later on Uh, oh yeah well you mean older as in when she's older not older as in like yeah she was in she was in dallas um exactly is that where you remember her from
2: that's one of them
0: yeah um she was actually in alfred hitchcock presents ah it seems like a lot of um his actress actors and actresses that have worked with them on, you know, different movies, uh, get on uh, Alfred Hitchcock presents. Oh, interesting. Uh, but yeah, she's been in a few things. Um, God, it must have been an interesting time, to like make mo- be in movies and shit. Yeah.
2: yeah. Um,
0: back back then,
2: um, I I belong hmm. in the
0: fifties. Everybody tells
2: me because. I- <laughs> I act, you know, I, I I I can be really big.
1: Uh,
0: uh Tom Helmore, who played uh the Gavin Elster, the husband who calls on uh, him uh, on on Jimmy Stewart. Uh, he had been in the Time Machine. He was in Time Machine. He was in. Uh, he was in episodes of like Have Gun Will Travel. Um, I didn't sh- recognize him. He you was- did.
2: Was he the lead in Time
0: Machine? Yeah, was he? No, Rod Taylor was H. George Wells. He was Anthony Bridewell in it. I don't know if that helps helps you out. I think the uh I think the lead in Time Machine was Alan Young.
2: Okay. Yeah, he didn't didn't look familiar. So. But yeah,
0: he's been in some stuff. Um let's see. There was there wasn't it was interesting there wasn't that many characters in this movie. Um the it says the coroner Who's the coroner in this? Do you remember oh, that character?
2: I thought that the guy who played Pops was pretty interesting, the older guy, the book I guy. liked him. Yeah. So I didn't I didn't know who he was. I didn't write it down but
0: he, uh, well, his name was uh, Const- Constantin, uh Constantin uh Shane, and he was in The Stranger Christmas Eve Until We Meet Again. Huh. The I liked I liked the lady who ran the uh, um, the, the hotel.
2: Oh, I've seen her before.
0: She was in a lot of westerns. Well, she was in the Waltons. that was grandma Waldman that's right she was in Sabrina the original
2: I really have some interesting comments about her uh, later on okay
1: Um,
0: and then like I liked to see like I said there wasn't that many uh there was that many characters but every but that that also made it all kind of stand out you know um Mm -hmm. There was a character that was car owner mistaken for Madeline. Oh remember? Yeah. When first wrote. saw the car and he ran over and he saw the right. Raptor. Uh she, that was Lee Patrick. That's her name. And she was in Ani Mame and uh the Maltese Falcon. Mildred Pierce.
2: Mildred no, Pierce, don't be done.
0: No, yeah, so she was in a couple other couple that. couple projects. Um, and that's pretty much it. Everybody else, I don't really know. Like, there's Scotty's doctor. Remember, that was the guy who, because uh, he later on was in the um, kind of in the uh, uh, I guess psychiatric hospital. Which oh. I didn't feel like. I mean, I I don't know. I guess, I guess something like that would sort of make somebody have to, to have a break you know oh true uh yeah. but yeah so we'll get in all that anyway to to go to start with basically it starts off with some amazing main title sequences that almost look 3d to me you know
2: the, the director of photography was robert burks was had he worked with hitchcock before i really liked his work
0: um i don't think so i mean i don't know hold on let me let me check. So Robert Burks. He didn't catch a thief. Yeah, he was. He was his uh he was Hitchcock's uh DP for many of his projects. All right. All right, let's uh, I'm gonna go down the line real quick. Oh, where does it start? Um oh wow, all the way to Strangers on a train. Is that it? Yeah, I guess Strangers on a train. Then I confess. Um, dial in for murder, rear window to catch a thief, troubled Harry, the man who knew too much, wrong man, vertigo, north by northwest, and the birds, Marnie, and that's it. Oh. So, wow, on his like some of Hitchcock's most uh notoriously beautiful, you know, kind of movies, he wasn't the DP for psycho, though, it doesn't look like
2: interesting some of those things. Very dramatic in the background in some of the more intense uh, plot twists.
0: Well, he did the one thing that really became a big tool and I've even used it before. Uh, It didn't look nearly as good on my uh, on the way I did because it was too dark where I did it, but uh, there's a really cool thing. like You've seen uh, Jaws, right? Yeah. You know the scene where uh, Roy Scheider's watching the water and then he sees the, the uh, he sees the shark attack and it, all of a sudden it like pushes into him but everything else pulls back uh. do you remember that shot he like he's just laying on the beach or sitting on the beach and he sees the stuff happen so all of a sudden it pushes onto him and they um what is it the background all goes back And that is an actual technique that uh, he used in Vertigo uh, when uh, when the uh, uh, basically had this idea for since Rebecca, he wanted to do the shot, but they were never able to do it uh, specifically. And he did it for this because, as we all know, Jimmy Stewart's character is an uh, uh, acrophobic Um, and he is afraid of heights. And he looks down, and as he looks down, he's looking down, it's coming back up, and it's, it's making this really crazy, like, feeling of, like, you're yeah. kind of got vertigo yourself. And, um, and that was a technique that he, learned, that he learned to use, and he used on vertigo later. Uh, Steven Spielberg's used it, many other, Kubrick, I believe, has used it. A lot of other filmmakers have used this technique because it's fantastic.
1: Yeah.
0: So. so uh but yeah so in that scene he is uh in a dream sequence he's running well it's a more more or less a flashback dream sequence because we actually get to see what what happened he's has this dream that he can't he's trying to reach out to help the guy the guy's falling you know and stuff and uh and then remember like at the, the beginning of the movie
2: well, yeah, we nobody probably knows, unless they've seen the movie, what happened. So we should explain that. It, it starts out where there's a police chase. They're chasing a crook and two cops, one plainclothes detective, which is Jimmy Stewart. And uh, he slips. He's the third one to jump from one roof to another. And the, the roof's very steep. So he slips all the way down and catches a hold of the gutter. And he looks down. It's about a 1,000 feet down. So he's thought, oh, my God, I'm a goner. And the and the cop that jumped before him reaches back and tries to pull him up, but falls to his death. And so we, we never do find out how he got out of there. How could he right be on his own? So some some people suggested that this whole thing was a dream. Right before he himself plummeted to death. <laughs> so I don't know. That was a little far. That's a
0: That's a little. That's a little much. Yeah, so you're me- to tell me like this? He's all dead when he's doing this whole movie. No. don't know but uh, i don't like that i don't i don't like that theory but
2: somehow he got out of that situation but that gives him ptsd as well as acrophobia and vertigo Mm -hmm. so he's a mess and he quits the police force so uh that's how it starts and then we we go to uh him uh i think with his girl ex-girlfriend midge are just friends now and uh she's uh talking to him and he says you know what uh i think i can cure this 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 thing i've got and 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 by golly i'm gonna try it right now and so he's he yep. cool and
0: he, he, that was a like good jimmy stewart
2: i, I used to do him a lot you see and uh, i could probably uh get back into it well but but, but 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 what i was saying um uh, he looks out the window as he's climbing the chair, and he and he has an attack, and he falls under the arms of Midge, who's hopelessly devoted to him, and he's not to her, of course. He just wants her as a friend, but which is very sad. It's a running team throughout the movie. So anyway, yeah. Well,
0: that, she wants him, and yeah. he doesn't want her. Yeah. So
2: anyway, so that's how it starts, and then we realize my oh. gut's
0: bad. So know. who? what is he doing now right now yeah like what is his job
2: oh well he's uh at, at his leisure he's retired uh, He she says well why don't you just take a vacation he said well i am on vacation i you know i'm i i i don't have a job
1: yeah all right I wonder, you know but I,
0: like what what is he why does he just keep hanging out with midge I Almost guess, looks like it's a, a job, like he's at an office or something.
2: I think that's her flat. That's, Is that? That's her. No, he lives at his house. He doesn't have an office. Oh. That's her, her office, and so he um, hangs out with her a lot. I guess he just likes her, but you know, he just—that's kind of sad for her because she just wants to jump his bones, but he won't uh, put up with it. So, especially when he gets involved with a new woman. Hmm. So anyway, that from there, um she tells him uh that he she got a call that some guy wants to meet with him, an old college friend called Gavin, somebody. And he goes Elster. Oh. So he goes over and he says, uh or Elston.
0: Like
1: uh,
2: Elston, something like that. So they uh they they shoot the shit for a while and then he finally says, Well, is there anything more we, you'd like to tell me or, you know, like what's the purpose of this meeting other than just a, you know, gab for a while. And then he tells him about his wife that he thinks is possessed by a ghost. and you know, He kind
0: of asks him, he is like, do you believe in, in this stuff? And, and, or what would you say if I told you this? And he was like, I would say you need psychiatric help.
2: That's yes, exactly.
0: You know, <laughs> And he's like, and then I would need psychiatric psychiatric help if I believed you.
2: <laughs> right. Take your wife to a psychiatrist or a neurologist, and I'd have uh, I'd have him check on you too. Yeah. Oh, it's like wow, it's like slap on the other cheek. But uh, anyway, he didn't take it too uh, too much of an insult. But so I think
0: Gavin's used to Jimmy Stewart's characters, you know. Like, like he's used, he's used to him, like saying these things to him. Like this isn't, none of this is new to him because they've known each other for a while. They're old friends.
2: Then he makes a proposition about, you know, his following his wife. And he says, oh, no, no, I'm retired. I don't want to do that. And he says, well, and then he kind of convinces him to at least come and see what his life looks like at a, at a, at a, a bar they go to a bar restaurant called ernie's and so he goes there and i think he's almost immediately smitten
0: with her you know like, i was why well, i know we all, i mean when you see her for the first time you're like oh man
2: yeah it's a good look with a bar bartender behind him just an extra just kind of looking at him he plays it well <laughs> like very impatient well come on you know he doesn't say anything but he's waiting waiting and the guy's just staring at her it's like wow so she passes right by him and then you can tell, well, he'll take the case. Yep. Anyway, so that's when he starts following her. And and, uh, and
0: so this movie kind of becomes a lot about obsession, you know, and everything that seems to be a theme throughout it or whatever. And um, which is it's funny considering the ending. Um, but uh, because, you know, whatever, we we find out more information uh later but uh throughout it a lot of it is him becoming obsessed with her her character you know like following her around he starts to get to know her i guess but keep going you're doing a good job explaining the story
2: he's actually uh doing the guy a favor i don't know if he's paying him but he's following her and her green jaguar which is i used to have a jaguar just like that except it wasn't green but i i love that jag and so at first she stops at a flower shop then a church, then a cemetery. And uh, she looks at a grave of Carlotta Valdez uh, who lived from 1831 to 1857 and died at the age of 26. And uh, oddly enough, she's the same age. She's 26. Then she goes to a museum and stares at a painting of a young woman. And uh, so John, and he also goes by the nickname Scotty. So I'll just say Scotty. Uh, not to be confused with you, Jonathan.
0: Yes. Well, I'm just I'm Jonathan, so you don't really well, have to get me confused. right by Scotty.
2: Scotty asks the guard who who she's looking at, and the guy says Carlotta, and then he's like, like "Whoa," and and then she goes to the Mac- Mac- McKittrick Hotel. He sees her go into the house, that sees her in an upstairs window. Then he goes in and gets her name from the owner, who was the You know, the character uh, that we were talking about, yes, played by a woman uh, actress. uh, I forgot her name, but she was in the Waltons and uh, she she resists him at first. She says, guests are entitled to privacy. He flashes his police credentials, which I don't think he could legally use anymore, but it works on her. The owner says, right. I mean,
0: she's not going to she's not going to call the police and say, hey, this guy flashed me a badge. This is his badge number, you know. She's right. just going to believe it.
2: As she goes in and she's resisting. She's saying, she's not here. She's not in her room. But I saw her from the street. So, Scotty points. My out-
0: question about that is how, how, what, how did that even happen? That's we are
2: questioning. Is she in on it from the beginning? I have questions at the end of the movie. About well,
0: something- no, she is. Who? The, is she- not the lady who runs the place. Or, or you're, you're talking about the. Oh. the main girl right um oh. madeline right
2: oh the, the lady that owns the motel hotel so
0: she's in on it
2: just wondering is she or is she just stupid because the woman keeps coming and she never sees her come in and then uh, i said well she're, her car's out front and they're like what car and by that time she'd left but but uh, there must be a back stairs or something back door and she goes
1: that
0: way and- but does she I mean, you know what? She also knows he's following her because uh, when you, when we find out later, you know, that she knows she basically knows the whole thing because like he's the he's the guinea pig. He's the you know, he's supposed to to be he's the patsy, you know, um for this. But anyway, continue. so and that's why I think that's why I think, yeah, there might be a back there might be a back stairs or something that but we never find this information out. And no. he never once asked, like, how did you disappear when I saw you go into that place? And I saw you go into that room. You I mean, we see her like at the window, you know,
2: is lying or she's not aware of anything. And so I don't know. So anyway, so she says she's not in the room. He says he's, uh, the, you know, the car's out front, which she it wasn't when they looked
0: out. So then yeah, she, she goes, what car is <laughs> not there?
2: Up to her room, the old woman invites him to come up and take a look for yourself. She's very annoyed with him, and uh, so then he leaves and he goes back and talks to Midge again, you know, hanging out with Midge. And she he says, Hey Midge, you know, uh, who knows gossipy history of San Francisco? And she says, Oh, that's a nice way to treat a woman, you know, yeah, marvelous. Instead, who who knows, and you know, just trivia. And he says, she takes him to a guy named Pops at the Argosy Bookshop, who knows uh, trivia about San Francisco. Not, not historical facts necessarily, but who's, who's doing what to whom, and you know this small town stuff. So he tells um, John or Scotty of Carlotta's sad life. She was discovered by a rich man in another small town, had a child with her, then took the child and moved away and deserted her And she was so sad, she killed herself at 26 by jumping off a tower. So then uh, uh, after that, uh, Carlotta's blood is in uh, Madeline. And uh, so that happened to be the great grandmother and the hotel was her old home. And actually the mother of Madeline went insane too and apparently killed herself. So it's in the family. She told all of this to Gavin before she too killed herself. So he now he follows Madeline to Fort Person, a uh, Fort Fort Point, I think, near the Presidio. I know San Francisco well, so it's nice to see all these hot spots. And uh, so uh she uh she falls into the bay while he's watching her and freaks him out. So he dives in and pulls her out and takes her home and uh Apparently later we find out she didn't really fall in but he has a quite tower view which is a spectacular view of the tower and she wakes up in his bed naked and then Ga- uh, gavin calls and and then john tells him what happened and madeline happens to be 26 too which is a coincidence yeah well it's
0: not a, nothing yeah, what we find out it's not a coincidence oh all, all of this is not a coincidence um yeah, well, she, she like, talks to him for a little while, you know, because she's, like, kind of confused as to why did I wake up in a guy's bed and, you know, that I didn't, you know, like, what happened?
2: Yeah, like How dare you? Well, he just saved your life, honey. Yep. But, yeah. He didn't save her life. We found that out later. And too. then she
0: kind of disappears.
2: Yeah, she leaves out the front door, drives off, but guess who's watching her? Good old Midge. Jealous as can be. Mm-hmm watches him go through she says i hope you had a lot of fun so she's just like jealous green-eyed cat and uh first Mitch runs away then him and the next day guess who turns up at his place well they meet again madeline comes to his house and leaves a letter and he's saying oh you got something for me she uh and she says yeah it's a letter of apology and thanks
1: I like that
0: she remembered the landmark as being Koi Tower or whatever. And then he was like, Well, Koi, that's good that Koi Tower is good for something. That's right. A great line. I love that. Yeah,
2: there's a lot of dirty politics. There's a lot of
0: like little snarky little lines in there that I feel like are very uh, specific to San Francisco, like people who are San Francisco uh okay. residents that i i wouldn't get i don't even know what koi tower was well, i think that's how you say it you know like i don't
2: yeah i know some of it but not specifics but i know there was a kind of a dirty deal with that tower so but if you live there and know the history you'd get the joke but, right <laughs> so then they decided to wander off together because she said well what are you doing? You're not working, you know. And he says, "What do you do?" He says, "Well, well, well, I, I wander." And she said, "Well, I wander too." And he goes, well, "Well, how about if we wander together?" So they
0: wander. But I, I, you're forgetting my favorite line in that. It's right. like, um, I think if two, she says, if two people are wandering and they're not, you know, they're not wandering together, they are, uh, they're they're going together somewhere and he says oh no i don't think that's the case you
2: know
0: and then she says she says you forgot the door and i thought he was like i'll be right back and i thought she was just gonna drive off you know or whatever but uh uh, she didn't and they drive off together they wander together hooked in her own net so she
2: uh they visit these redwoods and while they're He's explaining how redwoods—you count the rings to see how old they are, and you know how fat, fat they get. She goes into a trance and becomes Carlotta, and uh, after looking at the rings in the tree and realizing how short her life is compared to that of a tree, so she gets very upset. I mean, I can't imagine anybody getting upset with a redwood. Most of us are just just adore them, you know, and go there to relax. And she freaks out, runs away. And then she pretends to be in a trance, of course. And so then he asks her why she jumped into the bay. And she argues that no, no, I fell. And so then he asks her when she was born a long time ago. and, And starts to freak out. And then he says, Well, well, I'm responsible for you because I saved your life. It's like the Chinese tradition or whatever. I think he said Oriental back in those days that's what they said and so she recalls fragments of past actions and whether she's making it up or not and she believes she's carlotta reincarnated it never does say reincarnation in the movie but i'm sure that's what they're alluding to right and she she thinks he wants to explain it away by labeling her mad and then it came to me oh that clever rascal hitchcock Do you know what the first three letters of Madeline are? Mad. Mad. So I underlined that, yeah. She runs away, he catches her, and they kiss as waves crash on the rocks behind them. It's a well-timed, very dramatic, beautiful background shot. I thought, wow, what a DP, man. That guy caught it. And later, Midge calls uh, him over and shows him a portrait. Of Her as Carlotta, do you remember that scene mm-hmm. that pisses him off because she's trying to make light of a very serious situation? He's already in love with this woman and she dares to presume that she's as good as Carlotta.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, let's uh make that another night for the movie because she planned a movie, yeah, uh, with him and he leaves.
0: So, yeah, so- because he is not happy with her whatsoever because like- he. Because he's already in love with this girl, Midge is trying to trying to get in between and stuff and and to steal his love, but he has no interest in her whatsoever. And he just he thought she was just playing, like just being a kind of uh, making a joke about it. But really, he wasn't making it. She wasn't making a joke. She was trying to get him to see that. And maybe he will start to, he will like her for, you know, or whatever, but it doesn't work. And then she gets mad after he leaves. She starts drawing all over the painting, you know.
2: It
0: um it.
1: backfired
2: and she made a mess of things and she, she's never going to get him now. Nope. But I could kind of relate to how he felt. Um, so then uh, Madeline calls, john and tells him her dream he says it's a, a real place you know uh, san juan batista it's an old spanish missionary preserved as it was about 200 or 100 years ago so they visit a mission to dispel a nightmare. there mm-hmm. and, and he tries or yeah he tries to get her to remember when she was here last uh, as she's sitting in an old carriage and and then uh, she starts to, rela- uh, to recall a scene from a hundred years ago, and then they kiss. And then she says, "It's too late," and runs towards the tower.
0: But she also says, "Look, if uh, something happens to me, you know." Um, yeah, later, but. What? To tower, yeah, she,
2: he chases her and catches her, and she says, "It's not fair. It wasn't supposed to happen this way." And then your line that you said. Yep. You so
0: believe- basically says that you know it's she'll uh you know something happens to her just know like that they're you know that she loves them basically
2: believe that i love you uh I, i i always wanted to love you and i'll keep loving you if you even if you lose me let me go into the church alone and he said absolutely not i'm coming with you so they run into the church upstairs to the tower he chases her and then he, he, because of his vertigo, he can't go all the way up. Yes. Mm. And then, surprise, he sees her fall, and her body land on the roof, her scream.
0: Now, did you watch it on high definition by any chance?
2: I probably did. I had to pay for it.
0: Okay. So when I saw the body fall, you know, it looked like a, it absolutely looked like a fake body. It looked like a dummy you know and we find out we come to find out it's it's you know it's it's the dead body of the um of the of the actual you know person but i thought that was uh, i thought like they were just pretending like somebody fell you know but the uh but the, the truth of the matter is they threw the the body off and everything and so I thought for a second, oh, my God, is somebody going to have to go in there and like, like, what What are they for the longest time? I thought this was wrong. Like the cops, you know, we're going to come and see a basically would see a dead like a fake body, you know, on the ground. Like, how are they going to explain that, you know, and everything? But it's a it's a it's a, a dead body. But anyway, that that comes to later, you know, no, not but, uh well, it- we can spoil everything because. Oh,
2: OK, I can go ahead. <laughs> I thought just in case the audience wanted to. A-
0: well, hopefully the audience has already seen this movie, first of all. Okay. And B, they're going to get spoiled throughout the whole thing anyway. Oh, in
2: that case, uh, it was already dead. Apparently, mm-hmm. had already broken his wife's neck. Yeah, he
0: had already broken his, but when did he do that, I wonder?
2: Well, I was watching this. I hadn't seen it before, so I didn't know any of that. And so I thought I was looking to see if it was fake, and it looked a little limp. But it was so fast, it you know I didn't really catch
0: on. I thought it was I thought it was a it was a dummy, you know, a body, and it probably was.
2: We knew it's a movie, so it has to be a dummy. Yeah, uh, they're not going to
0: throw a real person down there
2: unless there was a trampoline down there or something. But I, I didn't think so. But
0: but even know? then, that's a that's a that's a scary stunt for anybody. What you yeah. have to do is like falling like that the way they fell too.
2: As a mock-up and there was only like five feet down but but I thought but nah.
0: she screamed
2: yes yeah, she's because, not the woman who falls
0: yeah because she's, she's already been dead so she kind of we we think I think that that's her
2: she's really dead because that's my first time seeing it
0: you know why this movie wouldn't work today who's that because in today's world we have we have detectives, who will know that he she was already killed before she fell you know there's there's ways of finding when they see the neck break they'll know that's not from the fall that was from that's uh, they, yeah Yeah. Truck. so nowadays the forensics lab would figure that out and that would be something that like this guy would already be fucked but uh in real in this time period they don't I don't think they had the forensics team that could have figured that out, so they would have just thought that he she died, uh, breaking her neck, falling down, you know, on the thing. So,
2: okay, so the next day after that, is there any more you want to say about that? No, the, no, the next day, nope. tribunal to investigate whether this guy's guilty of criminal negligence, uh, John,
1: mm. John uh,
2: Scotty. So- just Scotty, we'll just call him Scotty. But um uh so his boss is there, other cops are there, VIPs, and Gavin, who uh he planned to commit his wife to a psychological or psychiatric hospital, apparent according to him, but of course he's lying. Um, due to uh, Scotty's fear of due to hire to stop her suicide, and Gavin knew that about mm-hmm. him, and planned this accordingly. To vouch that why his wife was irrational and suicidal, but unable to prevent it, so he needed a witness who was a ex cop, so they'd take his word for it that she was nuts. And uh, she was
0: nuts. They needed that. They also needed somebody to witness her going up there, witness the fall, you know. And on top of that, we find out later, come to find out that the guy. Figured out that he, you know, that they used his uh, a you know, uh, fear of heights to, he needed, to, to not go up there all the way.
2: He needed somebody disabled, Yep, it was a perfect witness. Mm-hmm. It was
0: kind of, but a- they, but the guy, talk about the guy, the lawyer that's talking to, to about Johnny, about uh, about um, Scotty, and how basically it's he's he's. Almost being completely rude. Yeah, of course. To Scotty. Like it's so funny. He's kind of he's saying, Well, you know, this could happen, but you know, also this could happen, kind of implementing that he was in on it or something, or he was like the person who pushed her off the thing, you know. It was
2: very well done. I loved his monologue. I, I didn't write any of it down, but he essentially was accusing him without going over the line he came right up to the line and then he left it open to the jury to reach a verdict whether he was guilty of criminal negligence his big thing was even though uh you know he had the the the, the acrophobia and uh, vertigo he didn't he didn't stop her and uh that's not an excuse he said that's not an excuse and he ran from the death scene he left there so why would he So that's criminal negligence right there. But He says, I'll leave it to you fellows to come up whether he's guilty. Well, of course, they found him innocent, but the poor guy's embarrassed, humiliated, you know, just he's been beat to a pulp uh, psychologically. And of course, he's in shock and he's on the verge of uh, becoming um, oh, what's the word? Uh, uh, He he goes into uh, deep shock. So There's a word for it. Um, And so then he becomes institutionalized. Um, And so Gavin tells him at the end of the tribunal that he doesn't blame him, uh, but he's leaving San Francisco to put the past behind him. And I was thinking, oh, you jerk. You're not doing it for that. You're doing it to try to escape because Gavin secretly used Scotty to murder his wife and get away with it. And he used Madeline too, you know, so Scotty visits uh, Madeline's grave. He thinks she's dead and he has nightmares. There's a big dream sequence. The grave is empty.
0: It's very well done. Mm-hmm. It's like one of the creepiest dreams I've seen in a long time.
2: Right. And Hitchcock does some creepy dreams. He sees himself falling. sees Madeline as Carlotta. Uh, and then Midge visits Scotty in the asylum. Uh, after his mental breakdown. That's what I was looking for.
0: Mental yeah, the- breakdown. Yeah, there's a, a so, big it, nasty one.
2: Yeah, and then he, she plays Mozart to sweep his cobwebs away. And she says, you know, music for every ailment. Uh, dipsomania, melancholia, hypochondria. What would happen if they got the files mixed up? I thought,
0: I thought that was pretty cute.
2: That was a great joke. You know, dark humor. but
0: That almost seems like a good fun short film to do.
2: But he doesn't react. He doesn't even acknowledge her presence. So he plays that very well. She's kind of a blank look. Mm. As she is devoted to him no matter what. And then she goes to the doctor, who you talked about earlier. And she says, You know, Scotty's suffering from acute melancholia with a guilt complex. That's what the doctor says. It'll take six months to a year to pull him out of this. And Vidge says, He was in love with her and still is. And Mozart won't help.
0: exactly like you know she says something about Mozart isn't the uh, won't be the um, yeah won't be any help
2: and she kind of drags her tail out of there at the end of her uh, for a while anyway and one year later he's out and then that's when he sees the green jag and confronts the woman who bought it from Gavin
0: yeah which I, I thought was interesting because he thought at first I guess he thought it was her then he goes and talks to her, and then she says, Oh, I bought it from Gavin Elston. You know, do you know him? Did you know about his he, she starts saying asking questions about his wife? Yeah. And then yeah. Uh, yeah. Scotty like starts seeing something else, like he's his mind is right. is not there. And plus he I thought it was kind of rude, like, you know, especially if this guy knows that family and everything, you know, don't ask about a you know a woman who potentially committed suicide you know
2: well some people are like that no consideration and so he uh he freaks out and leaves and blows her off and then he starts staring at women that resemble her there's one in a bar one in a museum and then the street and that the last one is actually her So we find out, oh, my God. I mean, did you know when you first saw her on the street that that was her?
0: Well, I mean, this isn't the first time I saw it. So I did know that she was she was there. I I forgot forgot all the details to it, you know, but I do remember like that there was another there was her and she was like that. She didn't actually kill herself, you know, that there was or whatever, you know um but the first time I saw it probably I probably was very confused
2: yeah and I was thinking well she does resemble her but brown hair and kind of frumpy and you know feisty she had a very strange attitude and uh you know
0: her voice of, she changed her voice
2: a little bit oh uh, yeah kind of yes she didn't she wasn't so refined or erudite so he uh he 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 follows her to the empire hotel sees her go up to the upstairs window and tells her that she reminds him of something knocks on her door and she's real feisty like what do you want you know this sort of thing
0: yeah and and then she's he's like well you remind me of so oh i know what you're doing i've heard that one before i've heard that one before where you know a uh you know uh, so i remind you of somebody that you once knew that you, I mean, guess, you fell in love with her. <laughs> yeah,
2: she's not a, a compassionate. But she knew
0: exactly who he was. She knew exactly what, what you know, he was thinking probably, you I, know. I thought it was, she was somebody new. And, and he wanted, well, of course, you're supposed to believe that. Now that you've seen it, you're knowing that basically she probably just wants him to go away because she doesn't want. Right. right. I think Yeah. So.
2: She wants me to go away because she's so guilty.
0: Yeah. uh, Like, she doesn't want to explain anything,
2: you know. Because that was criminal, what she did. And uh, to be complicit in that, I don't know what
0: the term is, but accomplice. Especially to a cop, like, do that, talk to a cop like that and everything. Like, I don't even know why she stayed around, you know? Like,
2: well, part of it was because she kind of wanted to see him again. So she didn't, she could have left and stayed away. She kind of captured herself. So anyway, so she says, uh, <clears throat> I, I I noticed her mannerisms and her speech were quite different from her, her previous incarnation. And then she proves to him that she's from Kansas with a probably a fake ID and has lived here for three years. But I don't think that's true at all. But, um, if you aren't satisfied, you can beat it. And uh, so then Scotty doesn't give a shit what she says. He wants to have dinner with her. And she says, why? Because I remind you of her. That's a real turn off. And he said, no, because of you. And, and, and quick thinking on his part. And then she goes, well, I've been on blind dates before and, and, and picked up too. <laughs> it's like she mm-hmm. it. it worked. Flattery softens her up, which I'm thinking she's pretty vulnerable so no wonder the guy can manipulate her the Gavin guy she turns and leaves and gives a strange look to the camera I'm thinking what is that is that guilt fear uh, was she brainwashed and waking up and then, and then it shows a flashback to, and then I realize it's her it's actually the first woman the same one the flashback mm-hmm. to get his wife waiting for Madeline to arrive at the top of the tower it shows all of it. and Then I then I put two and two together, but oh, that's how they did it. Then he pushes his real wife off, already dead, I question. Judy feels, that's her new name, Judy, <clears throat> feels caught, panics, starts to pack to escape. she throwing all her clothes in their suitcase, writes a note, a note of confession to him of his crime, her crime. She helped uh, Gavin kill his wife and get away with it, but admits falling in love with Scotty. And uh, which was not part of the plan. Mm-hmm. Love him, but has nerve to try it and tears the note up. Says, Oh, the hell with it. I'm going to go with it. Great pivot. I said, it. Greed and lust went out. And that's what hangs her right there. So.
0: Yeah. And then she goes out with him. And I think, if I'm correct, was that the first time she wore the necklace? Yeah.
2: So, uh, no, wait a minute. Uh, yes, at at dinner, Scott sees it, No, wait, wait, hang on. I, I'm not sure. Is that the one? No, she because
0: no, no. He notices this necklace, but I'm not sure if it was the first time he saw her or if no. it was
2: later. Ah, and she sees him looking at a woman that resembles the first woman, Madeline, and she's a little jealous and deflated over that. So, uh, so. And then he, uh, Scotty takes Judy home and says he wants to, her to quit his job, quit quit her job, so he can take care of her and uh, be with her constantly. And Judy says, why? Because I remind you of her? That's not very complimentary. And then she pauses. Well, I guess I can call the store in the morning. So she's easily manipulated,
0: easily influenced. Well, so he- she really has a thing for him, you yeah. know
2: she needs to be loved i think more than anything and she's probably had a rough life because she was kind of picked up by other men and used so it was easy to see how gavin manipulated her and scott takes her shopping for clothes obviously trying to transform her she suspects and, and it's kind of insulted but still needs him he's obsessed with previous incarnation and persists so both are trapped in this inevitable uh well, whatever this transformation she's afraid due to guilt and but he's intent on the outcome very demanding but perhaps afraid of what he is subconsciously suspects too. I think he's starting to uh, feel that maybe she is her, but then, like you said they go out to dinner again, and she picks Ernie's because she always went there with Gavin, he says you like Ernie's a lot don't you so Judy is helped into her necklace by Scotty. Then he notices the shape and the color, the same one as in Carlotta's portrait. Then that's the aha moment. Oh my God. And I'm freaking out too. Like, wow, what a horrible mistake. Now he knows he's been fooled and it's the same woman and he's furious at being tricked. Mm-hmm. Now his love turns to hate. And, and then he takes
0: her back to the church tower. So that's Exactly, right. takes her back to the church tower. She doesn't want to go there. She keeps you know, she keeps trying to get him to um uh to turn around and there's a an amazing exchange where she explains everything and it is on this um uh well I thought it was on here, but I guess not I guess the the letter that he she wrote to him uh was on 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 imdb oh. but so they go to the they go to the tower and he actually walks up you know his he's he doesn't have his fear anymore uh of uh heights because he's I guess because he has a purpose and he feels like you know like he has this drive to do it to to get up there
2: to punish her uh, he says, you know, that's a fatal mistake, that necklace. Judy, I don't want to go up there. He says, too late. Guess what? That's the same thing as Madeline said to him. It's too late. Mm-hmm. Scotty realizes how Madeline tricked him, how Gavin's real first wife was up there. And Madeline was a counterfeit copy. After Gavin threw his wife off, Madeline and, and, uh, and, and Gavin hid until the coast was clear and then they drove back into town. And I don't know how they waited there that long because, they, you know, the inquest and stuff, people examining the body. But uh, he says, you know, you should never keep souvenirs of a killing. You shouldn't be that sentimental. And so Gavin ditched Madeline after he inherited his wife's money. He paid her a little bit, ditched her. And Judy says, I love you. And that's why I came back and allowed you to change me. Scotty says too late no bringing her back so he realizes he loves the ghost the imposter not the real woman Mm -hmm. she plotted to kill and take advantage of him as a patsy now
0: honestly i mean as much as i he wasn't you know he was never going to be like the person they the suspect of you know this is always supposed to be a suicide you know and everything um so they weren't ever trying to blame him. Um, I honestly was surprised. I thought for some reason that they would end up, that he would still be in love with her, you know, even after hearing this stuff.
2: Probably conflicted, probably a little of both, love, hate, you know, nobody likes to be tricked like that. Uh, the, the only positive thing he feels is he cured his vertigo. Like he went all the way up with her, remember?
0: Yep. I cured that. Cured that, and so he was happy about that, but then so then uh, they're yelling at each other well, not yelling, but they're talking to each other about this, and she's still saying she loves him and all this stuff. And he's like, too late, there's you know, all that stuff. And then uh, somebody comes up the stairs, None. you know, what None. a nun, and I, I, I don't know, did it scare her or something? Like,
2: deliberately, she just heard somebody up there, but it startled them.
0: And yeah she, you know, he, so she fell yeah off the tower and and died, I guess so the same way that uh poor you know Talk poor um uh, madeline uh was uh supposed to have died you know before her neck neck got broke.
2: you think I was and guilt or just because she startled her i don't, I think it was a little of both
0: I think it was maybe a little both, but like I don't.
2: Maybe she thought it was the ghost.
0: That's know? what I was thinking too, is that maybe she was thinking she was seeing like the ghost of the woman she, you know, she, she, whatever the Madeline, and uh, it, it was just some nun who was just coming up to the tower, you know.
2: Well, anyway, I loved psychoanalysing these things. And I was thinking that's poetic justice for sure, but maybe it's divine justice. In fact, somebody suggested that in one of the remarks. the movie it's a the nun is a symbol of chastity and it was divine justice you know for whatever she did to him so uh, i thought that was pretty interesting so uh anyway it's um she represents the polar opposites in human nature like diabolic and then angelic and so she's being punished for that and then if you want to talk a little bit more about the movie we'll do that but i have something it's kind of surprising to tell you about hitchcock
0: tell me tell me i want to hear that
2: so this this is something i read and so i copied some of it down it says hitchcock reveals his true self in this movie his passion and his sadness he deals with fear guilt lust and loss in his characters he delighted in humiliating his women lashing out at his fetishes, because he had fetishes against the woman. So he was kind of punishing them and himself uh, for his unrequited love, lust, and fear of them. He's afraid of them, they reject him, he punishes them. He does that again and again in all his movies. And it reduces his anxiety and pain of rejection by doing that. Hitchcock was the most controlling of all directors, especially of women. Females had some qualities, had the same qualities in most films. They were blonde, they had an icy personality, they were mesmerizing, and eventually they had to be humiliated. His best films directly deal with themes about how he used, feared, controlled women. And in this film, it was represented by Scotty. So Scotty became Hitchcock's kind of doppelganger.
0: Interesting, went- because like Woody Allen usually uses other actors. To portray him in movies or whatever and sort of lives out his uh, desire they're usually older men who like younger women and that's a thing for Woody Allen and Hitch that's interesting that Hitchcock likes to sort of use the that, that they kind of use men to you know
2: I always wondered about Hitchcock why he was so mean to women and now I know because he was obese he was unattractive and he knew that but uh, he, he could never get a woman in bed or anywhere near them, and so he was just like, okay. "Well, I mean,
0: he was also married, so I'd never stopped a director before." Uh, so, I mean, should, but I uh, mean,
2: well, I know, but that—that's in a, a perfect world. But no,
0: uh,
2: I've always known pretty much took took advantage. So he's obsessed with Madeline and uh, uh, Judy, uh, less polished version who cares for him. This is Scotty now, who represents Hitchcock, who cares for him and helps him with his handicap, which, you know, Hitchcock thought he had a handicap too, but takes advantage of him because of it and who must then be punished. And so Hitchcock, uh, who felt scorned by beautiful women, feels the same way. You must be punished. So I think uh, that's part of why he did it and both uh, both Hitchcock and Scotty are slaves to an image, a beautiful, divine image that they can never realize.
0: And, that's a that's a good way to look at it. I like that.
2: So this is uh, I I really enjoy psychoanalyzing things like that. Now um, I do have some questions. Oh, uh, by the way, Hitchcock appears in the movie. Did you see him? Mm-hmm. I you know I didn't catch it till the second time. My wife and I were watching it and. I just happened to glance up and he walks right by. It was 11 minutes 27 seconds in. He walks across in front of an office building. And it real quick, you
0: know. Oh okay. oh okay. You know, it wasn't wasn't the the more fun Hitchcock no. where he is like next to the person and giving but, him a funny look or something, you know. I like those are my favorite kind of Hitchcock moments because my, my favorite yeah. was when he was and uh, what was the name of the
2: movie uh, with uh, uh, James Cagney? I mean, James Cagney. Oh, shit. uh shit. We were just talking about him. But the debonair guy. The, uh, oh,
0: Cary um, a- Grant? Grant.
2: And the thing in Italy where he was on the bus with the chicken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Over and Hitchcock sitting right there with a sour face. And yep. Oh my God, that's perfect. That was, that was my- to catch a thief, right? That's a thief yeah so i love that part but uh anyway it was an elaborate uh sophisticated plot and elaborate rouge too what they used on him
0: yeah
2: duplicate and uh so i always wondered if the hotel owner was on the plot but i guess we'll never know
0: we'll never know on that because i have no idea um i i don't really have any questions about this at all myself like Everything that I might have had a question about Was answered by the end of the movie You know Which some people don't like that You know Like being confused And and yeah. and everything But I, I like it If there's If there's an answer You I, know
2: I have one more question Why didn't Scotty research data Or anything about the real life Like her age That would have proved it she wasn't twenty six, you know, or trying to look up anything about her. Maybe they couldn't in those days, or or seen a photo of her or something. I don't think she looked exactly like the fake Madeline, but uh, he didn't. And he's supposed to be a detective, but I guess he just believed his friend and didn't suspect anything.
0: Right. He he didn't think he he uh, he originally thought he was investigating the girl and just seeing where she went. At one point, I thought there was like maybe a multiple personality thing going, yeah. you know, where she that's why she would like black out, you know. I thought, and because he said at one point, the uh Gavin was talking to Scotty and was like, you know, she said she had only gone to this place and this place, but her uh, but her speedometer said she had been gone like 95 miles, you know, right. So obviously she had gone further than what she claimed. So I thought she was blacked out from a personality and this other Carletta personality had taken over, and she really thought she was her or something.
2: Okay. I was confused at first by that, and then I realized you're dealing with Gavin. Gavin's a liar. Mm -hmm. I think it had just made up that number, you know.
0: (laughs) Oh, about the 95.
2: he never took a trip. He well, just... right.
0: But, but, you know, all of that stuff is... All of it doesn't matter because the real... We never meet the real Madeline, I don't think. Do we? No. Oh. I mean, we see her... We see somebody who looks like her the whole time. You know? The real Madeline's been dead.
2: Who knows what she really looked like, how old she was, or anything. I
0: yeah. Think. Why
2: would he want to re- replace a twenty-six-year-old wife? So, I, you know, it's like, well, uh,
0: yeah. What, what was the what was the purpose? It's not like she like inherited a lot of money or something. Well, he
2: inherited a lot of money. She was rich. It was her company. Was oh, just, he says that from the beginning. I I guess I forgot to mention that, but he was managing her company. She was very wealthy, and so he,
0: killing what, her, she got her money.
2: Got all of it. Yeah, and then ditched. Uh, the madeline the the fake madeline as well you know i would have taken her with me but i guess he just wanted a clean break go to europe you know and start over so i guess he got away with it
0: he got away with it well i mean was there any more did you have any more notes or anything that
2: so um i just said uh i so scotty loved madeline for her mystique not only for her appearance. I think it was the whole ghost thing and, you know, he was enamored in that as well. So mm-hmm. it's all wrapped up, you know, a whole enchilada. So I thought, yeah, that's probably what did it to him. It pushed him over the edge. Um, and uh, Madeline feels that Carlotta demands that she die. Well, at least she said that. It was like preordained. But of course she was lying. She's acting. So you know, I don't think there was really any ghost involved at all, but uh, I'm not a believer in ghosts. So anyway, that, I mean, people can disagree with that all they want. I just you got to show me, you know, um, so I, so I, I just enjoyed the heck out of this. Uh,
0: By the way, the Empire Hotel where James Stewart eventually finds Kim Novak uh, is as of 2009. The Hotel Vertigo now. No. yep, They now Uh, call Hotel Vertigo. uh, Formerly called The York. Um, It is located at 940 Sutter Street in the heart of San Francisco. Uh, Novak's character lived in room 501, which still retains many of its aspects captured in the movie.
2: I know where that is.
0: Now you can go find that if you want to. to Go visit it. You should. You should go visit it if you ever go to San Francisco.
2: call oh, myself out of the window.
0: Do you ever? Yeah, look out the window if you get a chance. I guarantee you, they don't rent that room out to anybody. You know, um, because they probably want to keep it like that, so tourists who are huge Hitchcock fans can go you know what, take they pictures. Should they should
2: well, have a mannequin up there dressed like her, staring out. The- <laughs> that'd be something.
0: That would be awesome. And it's just there the whole time. Like no matter when you pass by and everything, you just see it. <laughs> that would be great. You should tell them that if you ever go there. Um I'll, what? I'll I'll call them up. Get that get mannequin on there. Um so Sir Alfred Hitchcock reportedly spent a week filming a brief scene where Madeline stares at a portrait in the palace of the Legion of Honor. Just to get the lighting right.
2: Wow, a week! See,
0: a week.
2: It's so meticulous.
0: I don't, I don't get any of that stuff. Like, I mean, I, it looked great, but I, did it really need a whole week? Like that feels like a waste of well of time and money.
2: That's the way he was. And people like his, uh, not uh, Eastwood. Sh- he'll shoot what three. Three takes, and then he's gone to the next one. He said, "If you don't get it in three takes, I don't give a shit. We're moving on." So I don't know how true that is, but that's the other extreme, yeah. right?
0: That's the exact, exact opposite. William Wyler, uh, one of a fantastic uh, director, like *Miss Mitver* and a bunch of other movies, he is known for being very meticulous too. And he will, he will go on hours and hours and hours until you get it right. Like he will. You will get it until you get it right. And uh, he probably shoots even more just to make sure he's got it right, you know, and everything. And I don't, understand, I don't, understand, well, nowadays with filming, you don't have film, you know, so it's not like you're wasting film, you know, so you can sort of shoot, but you are wasting time, you know what I mean? If you shoot a shoot shot after shot. But if you have money and you have, you know, months and months of time to shoot, you know what I mean? Like, you should be fine.
2: Well, they had the money back in those days. It was studio film. So.
0: They did. Nowadays, they just want you to get it done. Well, I guess most TV shows and movies, real movies are shot at least for three months, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to find a Really good, good trivia real quick. Um, Kim Novak already had a reputation for being difficult, so perhaps it was not a surprise when she refused to show up for work one day. She was striking for more money from her home studio, Columbia Pictures, who was paying her uh, 12 dollars a week, not $12.50, but 1250 a week even though they were receiving 250000 for her loan out for this and one more movie. The ploy worked and Novak got got the raise. Um, Let's see. Uh, when Sir Alfred Hitchcock's wife, Alma Reville, saw the movie, she said that she liked it except for one shot where Kim Novak walks toward the San Francisco Bay which she felt made Novak look too large on the screen for years afterwards. When discussing the movie, Hitchcock would insist that Alma hated it. Huh? So she didn't really hate it. She just hated one shot in the movie. Um, I wonder, I wonder what his thoughts were completely on this. He was completely happy or not, you know? Um, Oh, Sir Alfred Hitchcock originally wanted to cast Lana Turner in the lead role, but she wanted too much money and was dropped from consideration.
2: Yeah, these uh, A listers. Which is
0: funny because, like, most A listers wanted to work with Hitchcock. Maybe not then. I think maybe after Vertigo, they really wanted to. But most A listers, I mean, they were proud to be in his movie. Yeah. um, and I yeah. think that's about it. uh I guess we'll we'll wrap it up on. Um, I just want to say thank you so much. Larry. uh this season has been fun. you know we've had a lot, a lot of uh, things to talk about, a lot of movies and everything um I mean, I think we started with like spellbound and we just kept going from there. Uh, once again, thank your daughter, Bonnie, for coming on that episode. Um, next season, I'm hoping to get more guests on. So it's not just you and me, but you, me, and somebody else chatting about this stuff. That's a lot. Uh, that's a lot of fun. Um, so we're going to have some we're going to have some fun episodes. We've got some stuff to do. Um, there's going to be uh, there's still a lot, lot more movies that he's done. He's done more than 20 films, you know um
2: we oh, got another thirty to do at least, right?
0: Thirty or forty. Um, I think thirty. I think we're only gonna get up to season five, you know. Which just now thinking about that's gonna be a long, you know, long time from now, but this is a journey, journey into the world of Hitchcock. Right. You
1: know?
2: Well, I enjoyed myself immensely. Thank you for inviting yes. me. Yes.
0: Uh we'll be back in March of next year, but we are taking a couple months break to to do whatever we got to do for the holidays and some much extra stuff, and then uh, we'll be back in March uh, for a brand new season. Um, we'll have, uh, we'll have we'll have a fun one coming back. I'll let you know what it is, but everybody else, I'm not going to tell yet. Okay. Um, not until we get closer to to coming out and everything. Um, but I'm really excited. Uh, I think. I want to thank everybody who's been listening and checking this out. I know this has been sort of a, uh, a different show than a lot of my other ones, because you have to already be familiar with Hitchcock or with the movie that we're talking about before, you know, you listen to it. So hopefully you're more familiar with Vertigo. If you, you know, if you're listening to this right now, Um, hopefully you got a little bit insight and, uh and and whatnot and got to hear some cool information um about it but i i dug this movie a lot um it's not my favorite movie of all time and i don't think it's the greatest movie of all time a lot of people say that it it beat uh citizen kane out of that for some uh lists you know different lists and stuff and uh (laughs) to me it's a bit it feels too long to me so it's interesting that it didn't feel that long to you but i i've got probably a a more impatient shorter attention span than you do
2: (laughs) are you just seen it several times right it was i
0: have but like you know if i really really loved it it would you know and i did i did really really love it um And I would probably give this five stars. This is a great movie. Don't get me wrong. It's just not like my favorite. And I don't think it's the best movie of all time. You know, I just think it's a really well done, well crafted, excellent movie. You know, it's just I I particularly am I'm weird when it comes to like my favorites or what I think should be. I, I mean, the the music is fantastic. The uh, cinematography is amazing and breathtaking. Uh, Kim Novak has points, but some points I, I, her delivery was, you know, a little off to me, you know? And Midge, honestly, that's just because she kind of became an annoying character after, like, you know, after a little bit of her just kind of nosing in on the guy's, you know, stuff.
2: Point of view, you know, she was losing her
0: boyfriend. She, I mean, they dated for a little bit. Yeah, but 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 they weren't dating anymore, so she should have moved on, you know. know, But she, she's, I guess she was holding out, thinking he was going to change his mind. Like a lost cause. It was a lost cause. So, but she was there like a little sad puppy dog, there with you know, kind of hoping that he would change his mind and. It kind of got annoying after a little bit. I was like, why does he keep going over to her? Like, I I get it. He likes her like a friend. He wants to hang out. He's somebody that she can talk to about everything that's going on. But
2: He's leading her on. He's not, you can't make a woman a pal, you know, if if once you dated him, I mean, they're not going to go for that.
0: Yeah. They don't want to hang out with you like that. You know, well, I, I say that, but I know a lot of friends of mine who actually do still hang out with their exes. Oh really? I've never- yeah, it's weird. It's a little weird at times because you're like, you know. Um, but, uh, but, like, like I knew this one guy that was married to like basically his best friend, and they married her. Then they divorced, and they still work together.
2: Yeah, I've heard of that too. But that's you know,
0: not- and they not just work together, but they hang out, they do stuff. Uh, they, the you know what I mean? Like I'm just like, this is oh, I mean, hey, more power to you because if that yeah. was your best friend before you got married, you know, yeah. I get it, but I think once sort of sex kind of uh, you know, I mean, even today I I got told like this one girl wouldn't wouldn't date me because we're you know, she thinks of me as a friend. I've I'm had- like Oh, Jonathan. What?
2: I've had a lot of women tell me that too. I, I
0: you know what? I was like, that's fair. <laughs> like, I get it. Like if you don't uh you know uh because I feel the same way about some people, like I wouldn't be interested in them because they're my friend, you know, so okay. You know. Um but it's still a little masculating when you hear that shit 'cause you're like ah. Yeah, just you know
2: not to take it personally.
0: Nope, nope. But remember. anyway, um it was great. It was a great movie. Uh I love that we did this. We're gonna be keep keep doing this where the like more popular titles and stuff are going like the ones that everybody loves, like last year it was Psycho, this year Virgo, next year who knows, but one of the big, big ones, you know, are gonna be the ones that we do for the finale everything wow. else leading up to there will be different from all different kinds. We're not going in any kind of order. Yes. And yeah. that's sort of the fun thing. Cause you never know. Cause it could be one of the newer ones could be one of the old, old silent movies. We haven't really done too many of those, but I think next season there'll be a few in there. So uh, those will be fun to kind of explore. Cause we really haven't explored them yet. And there's a lot of them that we need to get start getting to them. Okay, right. That way we don't have a whole season just full of them. <laughs> uh-huh. That w- I think that would be a little much for me. Um, every month seeing a, you know, seeing that. But if they're split up a little bit, that'll be nice. Um, but until then, everybody, hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, check out Hooked on Hitchcock on Facebook. Uh, I'll try to do more stuff on there. Um, haven't really been doing as much on that facebook page but i should um also i don't think we have like an instagram there's indie film cafes instagram and there'll be stuff on hook on hooked on hitchcock there so keep checking that out and uh until then uh just let us know what your favorite hitchcock movie is or especially one of the ones that is unknown you know like not as talked about you know, um, I can't wait to explore more of those. <laughs> so uh, until then, everybody, thank you, Larry. OK. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a good one. Have a Bye.